back to a brand new episode of Growing Up Gay with your boys Vaughn and Malik. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just get this out of the way. I do apologize if the audio sounds a little strange. We are in Malik's brand new apartment. <laughs> <laughs> and this uh, is not fully furnished yet, so there's a little bit of an echo. Mm-hmm. Um, but we wanted to make sure we get this episode in for you all. We know it's been quite some time. Um, bitch, we are like... A black father in the '90s, we come and go. Ooh, baby, okay. let me tell you something. We do not, do not be standing in the window still waiting for us to come because we're gonna come when we tell you. Listen, we come and go. We come and go. Yes, like, but, uh, like a thief at night. <laughs> but we are here now. We hope you all have had a uh, wonderful few weeks since we've been gone. Uh, I know everyone's getting stimulated. Well, those that qualify mm. are getting stimulated, so we love that. Um, friend Malik. Let everyone know how life has been for you since we last spoke. You've had a lot of changes. I've had so many changes. I feel like Mary J. Blige. <laughs> um, so many changes. I've moved to Athens, Georgia. Yes, I, I, we talked about it on the show a few weeks ago. Well, over a month ago now. Yeah. That I had made the decision. But I'm here now, and it's been... Here and now. Sorry, Ooh. I had to do that. You know, you know it's my idol. I promise um, to But it's been, it's been an interesting, definitely culture shock, for sure. Yeah. You know, Atlanta is... It's own little world. It, it's, Atlanta is its own little world. And, and, yeah. and when I tell you, we're from Atlanta, yeah. you know. And being there all of my life and never living anywhere else for more than six months... You become the majority. Yeah. You know, in Atlanta, I'm not the minority. I'm the majority. Yeah. And there's a comfort that comes with it. Everywhere I go, I feel comfortable. Yeah. Just about. Yeah. Um, and it's like here, it's the complete opposite. I'm the minority. Every, everywhere I go, I'm yeah. the only black person just about. Yeah. The place I work, the place I eat. Where yeah. I grocery shop everywhere, yeah. and it's the place we just went to. It was so funny. As soon as we bu- like we bust the corner, everyone just looked. Everyone just looked. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like it's 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 definitely culture shock. Yeah. Um, and it's been I, I'm not gonna lie, it's been difficult. Um, not seeing myself reflected. Yeah. But it's hard to acquiesce when there's no places of or. Signs of comfort. No signs of comfort. No signs of, um, you know, familiarity. Yeah. And that's just what it, that's just what it is. But I knew that before I got here, mm-hmm. right? And and I still came. So that's just the cost of my admission yeah. for having the job that I have. Well, his apartment is sickening, y'all. It is sickening. I have a sickening apartment. It's yes. modern. It's beautiful. I have a huge island. Yes. Let me tell y'all a quick story. So I was on Overstock.com and I found the most beautiful sofa. Right. Fabulous sofa. I was like, oh my god, it's on sale. <laughs> I'm not gonna say how much it was, but I should have known then that it was some shit with oh, this sofa. Oh shit! Y'all ordered the sofa. Is it like miniature? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I figured. Yes. I ordered the sofa, y'all, and um, they schedule delivery. You know, because they 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 have to like do like a a third party um company that comes delivers it. Let's go to the delivery. And then they email me all the details of the delivery. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at the details and it says 79 pounds. I'm like, 79 fucking pounds? And this is a big ass sofa. How the fuck is it only 79, 79 pounds? pounds? Bitch, I go back. I look further to the email. I realize they're, they're sending me one chair. <gasps> I said goodbye. Not one chair. Talk about pressed. I said, I called Overstock. I said, listen, 
I just schedule the delivery. You can cancel it. Don't bring that shit to me. <laughs> Do not bring that chair Don't to me. Don't bring that shit to I me. I said, sir, the, the, the description says Cali Tweed Sofa. Sofa. That's what, the, that's what it says they in the played, description. They played directly. They play, he, he says, oh, sir, we're so sorry for the mix-up and the confusion with the website. They played directly. They played in, in my face. So long story short, I don't have a sofa. I'm waiting for a sofa. I'm gonna. I'm still gonna just have to get one from somewhere. I'm so sad because it was like it was, it was, perfect. It was perfect, but it was a gag. It was a scam that Todd good, set up. Too good. <laughs> you know, it was a scheme set up by Todd. <laughs> it was a scheme. So all in all, you know, I'm, I'm cooling. I'm loving. I'm teaching often. I'm loving just you know recultivating new skills i feel like i'm like back in teacher training again almost mm. like i'm back like training again in the sense of because i haven't i haven't practiced this much and taught this much in a really long time actually ever i've never taught and practiced this much before mm. so i'm excited about just to see kind of what, what comes out on the other side of this new thing that i'm doing um so after this has been cute my mom came up my mom came up last week my mom my sister my aunt and um and now you're here you're my Second visitor. My friend Maisha came up two days ago. She hung up with me for the day, so now you're here. So you're the second visitor. Um, and I'm just happy to see familiar faces. Yeah. You know, people that I know that really love me because it's like people it, will smile at you. They'll, they'll, they'll say they'll say you're great, but I know that there's safety here. Yeah. So that's what I'm most happy about with seeing your beautiful face. And you guys, let me tell you something. When Vaughn walked in, I said, damn, you look good, bitch. <laughs> well, you know. You know. I've been taking care of thine self. Yes. Um, how have you so been? What, what, what's um, your gaga? Uh, listen, she's not lady. Um, but no, no, I've been, I've been good. I've been taking care of myself, trying to change. I've changed my whole outlook on fitness. And I think I've talked about, I talk about it quite often, damn near every episode about like fitness. And um, it ties a lot into desirability and all those things that, you know, the pressures of the queer community and just society in so general. So many pressures. Right. Um, but no, I've, been, I've just been taking care. I've, I, I made a vow to start taking better care of myself and creating, cultivating a better relationship with food, with fitness, and, and just over myself overall. Like, I, I want to, I don't want to look like how I used to look. I want to look like the best version of me. And that's unknown. Yeah. Is it interesting? Like, I think it's so. I think it's 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 interesting when we talk about like wanting to do things differently and wanting mm -hmm. to like reimagine what fitness looks like for us. Yeah. Often it's a blank because yeah. we don't know what it and, looks and, like. And you know what the funny thing is? That's exactly what I'm embracing this time. Mm -hmm. I've always ran from the unknown, um, and instead of running from it, I'm embracing it. Like I'm allowing myself to eat, to work out, to do all the things as I normally would. Without any limitations, no crazy diet. The only thing that I have done is I'm now vegetarian. I did cut meat and seafood out of my diet completely about a month ago, um, and I've been enjoying it. I mean, I still I, I say vegetarian, not vegan, because I listen. Cheese is not going anywhere. I'm sorry. Hey. I'm not a dairy person. I don't drink milk, but cheese, I, I can't. You can't let I it can't, go. Sorry, <laughs> cheese. Cheese is really good. Right. I, I do try to limit for skin purposes, you yeah. know, and I, I drink a lot of water, but. I can't let go of cheese. I'm sorry. I just... Even though I try, I can't let go. Mm. Um, that's my song. I know. That's my shit. That's my song. But, um, but yeah, that school, work, this business, y'all. Listen, 
LLC Twitter, they lied to y'all. <laughs> hear ye, hear ye. LLC Twitter lied to you niggas. It is not easy. Um, it's costly. It is time consuming more so than a job because it's 24, especially for me, Malik, you know, I'm obsessive. I, I'm, listen, I'm very much a Scorpio. I'm obsessive. When I'm into something or someone, I'm in. Von dots his eyes across his teeth. He is, he is fucking <laughs> relentless when it comes to like making things listen. happen. He's been working so tirelessly like yeah. these last six months on this business that yeah. it's going to be, I know it's going to be viral. I Thank really you, know friend. it's going to be viral because the energy that she's put towards it, Thank I know you. people are going to be like, damn, this bitch. And that's exactly, know. that's exactly what I want. Let me get to my, my Michelle Obama voice. <laughs> Girl, you've done it again. <laughs> you keep raising the bar. <laughs> that's, what, that's what we're going to be saying when it comes down, you know? Uh, that's what I want everyone to say. I just, I really want everyone to enjoy it. I want everyone to appreciate it. And I also want to share the experience um, and the process once it's all out. Um, and it's funny because I'm now thinking of the second launch like, I'm already yes. out, out of the phase for the first one already because that's kind of already officiated and, like, put to the side. But now I'm thinking of, like, because I will say the first drop is coming in June, June 1st. That's what's scheduled for. If it changes, it changes. But right now we have everything scheduled for June 1st. Um, but now I'm thinking of October because that's when the second launch is. And, like, there's just – I wish I could tell you all exactly what it is. I don't feel comfortable talking about it in that depth Don't yet, talk about it. But once everything is is, is everything – like, hey, listen, Lauren Hill, everything is everything. Once everything is everything, um, I'll go further in depth. But I've been good. Um, I'm, I, I had to come down to see my friend Malik. I'm so very proud of you. Thank you. His apartment, y'all. You ATL hosts could never. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, it's beautiful. The island is massive. The kitchen is beautiful. It's, just, it's literally the apartment I want for myself. Yeah. But I don't feel like paying ATL money for it. Because she, she, this in Atlanta is a cute 16. Oh, bitch. And, and, and if Especially if it's in a good area. It's if a you're cute in, 17. If you're in the right area. Yeah. Because I've seen shit like this for $2,000. Yeah. And it's like, get the fuck out of here. Because that bathroom is massive. Yeah. And the floors are beautiful. And the windows are big. And like, listen, the Jeffersons got to keep up with him. It's, 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 it's giving. Yeah. It's giving. And yeah. I can't wait to like the first gathering. I get my COVID vaccine Monday. Oh. <gasps> I'm jealous. Yeah. Listen, I want I, I want them to shoot me up, sis. Sis. I I, I qualify for it because of my BMI. Yeah. Okay. Although, no shade. <laughs> I might not anymore because the gym. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I saw say, that on They say there. if your BMI is above 30, then you can I thought it was 26. It. Is it 26? I think I think Walgreens said 26. Okay, but, well, really? Because, maybe. Because, you know, I'm, I'm under 30 now, but, like, well... I'm like right at 30 and 30. I don't know. But, but um, yeah. Yeah, I get it. My I want to get. You should sign up. How? Wesley got it. I know. Well, you know, she, Wesley's Wesley. A little crafty girl. Yeah. yeah. Wesley's, a, Wesley's a doll. So yeah. I'm not he, surprised. He, he, can, he can finesse it. Yeah. Um, I had to get my first COVID test ever. When? when? Um, I thought I had coronavirus. <sighs> um, I'm a dead ass. This was like two weeks ago. Now, I didn't tell anyone or talk, tweet about it or anything because I'm. Yeah. That's how I am when I'm sick. I don't want to let you know. Um, but like I went to the gym, came home. No, I'm lying. That doesn't font just story. Um, that was the day before. Like two Sundays ago, I started not feeling well. 
and I don't get sick often, but I also have horrible allergies. I'm allergic to literally everything, mm-hmm. um, like literally everything, um, <laughs> like seasonal that is. Um, so I thought it was because I'm back in Atlanta and I've been in New York for the past two years and I had, you know, it's different. Yeah. So I figured, oh my God, I'm just hypersensitive to like all the trees and all the pollen, you know, um, all the, you know, pollination and, and, and stuff. And it's getting so, warmer. Right. Th- th- that's exactly what, it was yeah. one of those warmer, warmer, you know. And weekends. the bees are, the bees are back. Oh no, they're back. The Beyonce's, Beyonce the didn't let the beehive loose. The bees they're, are back. They're out. So I, that's what I thought it was at first, because I, like I said, I just, I just wasn't, fe- I wasn't, I didn't feel sick, quote unquote. I just felt really drowsy and I felt like tired. And then um, I woke up Sunday, Monday, like morning, if you will, at like two a.m. And my throat was really scratchy, and I couldn't sleep, and my body was achy, and I was like, "Oh, bitch, you slept with the window open!" Like, because I, even during winter, I like to sleep with the window open. I like to be cold. I don't Ooh. like to be hot. I just don't like warmth. Um, yeah, I'm a 70 degree kind of, 68 degree kind of girl. Like, I like okay. to be cold. Um, and my mother's West Indian, so she likes to be hot. So it doesn't really match. So I just usually sleep with my window open to, acqu- you know, make things work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, that's probably why I feel sick, because I slept with the window open. I'm halfway under the blanket, you know, hot and cold. Mm-hmm. Gets how you get sick. So I closed the window. Could, I, w- I went to sleep, woke back up before. Sick, felt sick, sicker. Um, fell back to sleep, went to work. Uh, because it was Monday, of course. Did, you know, all my work leaves. Felt sick the whole day. Started remedying myself. Because one thing about me, once I feel sickness coming on, I jump into my full West Indian bag with all the remedies, yeah. all the teas, yeah. all the everything. So I just, like, did that. Had my elderberry, had my vitamin C, had my... I did everything. And I still felt really, really sick. And then, like, what, what scared me was I started to cough. Mm. Tuesday going into Wednesday... I started to cough. Nigga, that cough got everybody scared. Listen, and I said, Jesus, <laughs> don't take me. <laughs> I'm not ready. <laughs> uh, no, I just didn't. I was like, I, I can't get sick. I can't get corona. Who's going to take care of my mama? <laughs> like, I started freaking. It just goes to show. I really started panicking. Because I, I, I'm already a bit of a hypochondriac. Anybody that knows me, I... I Listen, hand sanitizer, wipes, all that shit been in my car. I'm not, that's, listen, anyone that knows me knows if when I was in New York, I carried a bag, not to be cute, but because I always had to have lotion, um, sanitizing wipes, always had to have hand sanitizer and, and like, towel. listen, I don't play. I've always been that kind of person. Like, I do not play when it comes to cleanliness. And I was like, so I started, I'm like, I'm already like a hypochondriac and I just started to like freak out. So I said, be logical. Just schedule a COVID vaccine. I mean, a COVID test. I have never had one. And that was kind of like my thing. I was like, I'm never going to take a COVID test because I don't know. I don't leave the house. I go to the gym and that's it. <laughs> like, Or I go out to eat my, you know. But like, that's it. I don't, I'm not out and about. I'm not dipping and doing. Like, mm-hmm. So I was like, there's no reason for me to get sick. Yeah. And then I just got so scared. But I scheduled it. Took my test. Came back negative. Of course it did. Right. And then literally the day it came back negative. Like, I started feeling better that same day. I started saying, bitch, I know I ain't got it. I know I ain't got it. And then, like, I started coughing again. I said, bitch, I might have it. <laughs> Isn't that crazy, so, like, how the mind works? Yes. It was, it, was, it was beating my ass. But luckily, the doll is negative. So. The doll is negative and the bitch COVID-free. Yes. And we're thankful for that. Amen. I was just thinking about how we've been in the pandemic for a whole year now. Yeah. Like, officially quarantined for a year. Yeah. And it's like, 
we were thinking it was going to be two weeks. Yeah. Remember that? So much changed over this past year. Let's get into that before we get into the episode really quickly. Do the full 180 for your... I feel like both of us did a full 180. We did a full 180. So January 2020, I had a full-time job. I wasn't broke. Point. I had some money in the bank. Um, my credit was really good. Um, all those things are 180 um, mm-hmm. But now I'm back getting myself together. I have a job now. You're building. I'm, I'm rebuilding. So in the, in the midst of the quarantine, like I moved with my aunt um, and, and, and then to move back to the city. But now a year from the quarantine, I'm actually living in my purpose now, which is really exciting because I was thinking the other day, um, a year ago, I never would have imagined myself in Athens. At all. It wasn't even on my radar. Right. It wasn't in my trajectory. But that's how I really feel like the universe I'm is... I'm going to sing. Keep talking. <laughs> it's the, but, but that's how I feel like the universe is really like telling me um, I need to be here. And I'm in the right place at the right time. Because I didn't plan this. But I just, you know, I just, I just felt like I needed to be here. I feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. So I'm excited that I'm finally... Living in my purpose, and I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot do what you're singing behind me, bitch. Oh my god! I was y'all. I was trying to keep my story going, but I know. every time I look over at him, he's fucking cheesing and grinning at me, fucking smiling, smiling and singing. I can't take it. Um, but but all in all, you guys, it, it just feels good that I'm doing what my heart desires. Like, yeah, I'm living like a housewife, y'all. I wake up in the morning and I sleep in the bed and then I get up and I go teach and then I have champagne the rest of the day. You know? Because I can. Because you can. Because I can. Right. Because I can do that. Yeah. And it's like, damn. Yeah. I'm in business for myself. Yeah. And now I'm, you know, just creating new avenues and new opportunities to, you know, obviously be more profitable to continue to grow the business. And, And I'm just excited about that. So I think that's the 180. 180. Last year, January 2020, I wasn't happy. I was miserable. Yeah. Making up excuses of why I didn't want to go to work. I was literally sick. But now yeah. I'm, I feel much more happy. Yeah. I am happy. Yeah. I love yeah. that. It's yeah. funny. I, I'm pretty similar. Uh, January of, of 2020, I put in my two-week notice at my job, which yep. was really a six-week notice because I had pre-planned vacation time. Mm-hmm. Gag, because I was going to use all of it before It didn't come home. back. Um, and I was about to sign on to a six-figure job that ended up going down the drain because of corona. Mm-hmm. Um, so that left me without a job for a little while. I was in New York, in Harlem. Shout out I to loved me. your Harlem apartment. Yeah, shout out to 155th Street. Uh, I, miss, I actually really miss New York. I miss New York, too. I miss New York. Like, not move back miss New York, um, but I do, like... I can't wait to be in a position to where I'm just popping in and out of New York right now. We had so much fun in New York, Juan. We did. We really filmed in New York. Like We, we had moments there. We bloomed. We bloomed. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't right. even live there, but I was there a lot. It felt like you did. You it, were considering moving there at one point. Oh, well, I, I was trying my, my damnedest. Yeah. We had a whole plan. We, Malik was going to move in with me and everything. We and, had a whole... And, we, and, and y'all, it was going plan. down. And yeah. I was... I had some jobs lined up and it just... Corona. You know, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I did, I did a full 182. I so I was I'm back in school. I have a good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> um, my personal life has done a 180. My professional life, I now have my own business that I'm like, you know, we're really, you know, God took us off the path a little bit for mm-hmm. a little second. You know, 
the universe had to, you know, shift some things around, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it's it's getting us where we wanted to be. Yeah. Just it didn't look how we thought it would. That's it. And, but it's and getting us where we wanted to be. That's like curiosity, you know. Yeah. That is just us going with the flow. We can't yeah. sometimes you have to be a lot more ease easy with yourself mm-hmm. and just let things go. Um, and that kind of takes us into our get it together. So if you're new to the show, get it together is a section when Vaughn and I just kind of sound off on something that is pertinent within our life, a lesson, a tool, whether it's a health, fitness tip, a mental tip, a societal tip, whatever. So this week, my get it together is be firm with something. Mm. You know, you don't, you don't, I love you, that. you don't gotta be firm with everything, but right. with something. You know, I found that um, if you like if. Specifically in yoga, like if you engage in one place, you may find it easier to engage in the other place. Oh, like your muscles, like yeah. if you squeeze your glutes, maybe from squeezing your glutes, your thighs may power up too. Yeah. And it's just like just this natural, you know, domino effect of starting something and then the other thing kind of coming behind it. Like mm-hmm. with singing, if you lift your eyebrows to hit a high note, maybe you will tighten your lips. So it's just like these natural things that happen when you commit to one thing. Right. And so, um, being firm with something is just, you know, hey, I'm not doing that. Right. And I'm going to, and this is full stop for me. Yeah. I'm not okay with that. Be firm with something, you know, in your life, with your kids. No, you can't do that because. Right. I'm being firm about that. I'm not going there because I'm being firm with that. I'm not going to do whatever it is. We have to just create some type of boundary and measure for ourselves that mm-hmm. says that that's rooted in whatever principle or whatever you know idea that we have for ourselves just be firm with something because um again i've just i've noticed that once you start with one thing it has like this trickle down effect where other things begin to just happen because you've made the decision so absolutely my get together is be firm with something y'all i love that um <clears throat> i'm gonna piggyback off of that and Mine is kind of similar. Okay. Um, be firm with loving yourself. Ooh, yes. Um, don't allow that to waver. Yes. I feel like there's a lot of things that happen in life that can like alter how we feel about ourselves, that can alter how we view society and what's going on in the world. And it's very easy to hate yourself. Mm-hmm. Especially, I think, as black people, especially as queer black people, um, it's very easy to... Because society tells you you don't belong yeah. or you shouldn't be a part, mm-hmm. um, that you start feeling less deserving. Mm-hmm. And then society also teaches you to not have the audacity to feel deserving because then you're entitled, mm-hmm. right? Who taught you to be entitled to happiness? Who taught you to be entitled to success? Who taught you to be entitled to peace of mind? Who t- like Society actively pushes that um, against you. And it's funny, I was with the business that I'm launching, one of the things that I've been looking into is like the structure of be- of the beauty world. And by beauty, I mean also includes self-care. And like it teaches us that black people aren't entitled to self-care in, in the literal sense and in the, phys- the, the, the figurative sense. Um, and a lot of that comes with like not loving ourselves enough to say like, hey, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Take a beat. And, mm-hmm. and when I say self-care, I don't mean a $6,000 fucking vacation to no. go lie on the beach. If you can afford her. Do it. And you have your, you know, your vaccine. And you want to travel masked <laughs> up and safely. Sure. Absolutely. Invite me. Um, and pay for it. I can't afford it right now. Um, <laughs> but it can be as simple as, like, taking time to, like, 
stretch. Mm-hmm. Like one of the things that I've been making time for is myself in the mornings. Mm. Like when I go and I work out now, I don't work out for anybody else but yeah, myself. Yeah, but yourself. I, I used to do this thing where I would compete with people and like compete with like what I see happening around me and I don't do that anymore. I don't worry about how many weights you have on your thing. When I'm stretching, I'm stretching to, to unwind and to release. Yeah. And even when I, when I leave the gym now and I go home, I do my skincare routine. I don't care if I'm going to be late for work. Mm. I'll turn the laptop on. And if there's something going on, it's going on. Yep. If it includes me, it, it doesn't include me. If it does include me, I'm not paying attention. Yeah. That's fine. I've yeah. made the decision to say that I'm worthy of that extra 15 minutes of yes. doing a skincare routine. Yes. I'm worthy of fully lotioning my body. Mm-hmm. I'm worthy of making sure that I walk my dog. I'm worthy of making sure that I have my breakfast. And I, 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 listen, I get up early. I get up every day at 5, 45, 6 o'clock. So it's not that I'm not making enough time to do all this stuff for work. I am. I'm usually at my desk by 10, 10, 15, the latest. I start work at 10 o'clock. So I'm not doing anything harmful to anyone. Any shit going on at that time anyway. <laughs> but I used to before not allow myself to have those that time in the morning to really like pour into myself and i allow myself that now in the mornings and at night i make sure i put my do-rag on i make sure i do my nighttime skincare routine i make sure that like i i just even just i take care of myself Mm -hmm. even when it comes to eating like i made i'm eating cleaner now not because of anything but i want to be healthy Mm -hmm. i want to be healthy i want to be happy and I, i know that i need to take care of myself i remember listening to an episode of the read um, a very long time ago, and Crystal was saying that one of the things that she learned in therapy is to parent herself. Mm-hmm. And she was saying that's the hardest thing to do because when you're the one telling yourself not to spend $40 on wings, <laughs> no one can stop you. No one can stop you. It's you having to parent yourself. So you are the parent and the child. Yeah. And often for most of us, the child wins. The child wins. And for me, the child was winning a lot last year. Uh-huh. But the parent is finally back. Uh-huh. That's really interesting. Um, because the other day I was I was I was talking I was joking with friend I was joking with friend I was like, Yeah, bitch, and if I want to eat a motherfucking dozen of cookies, I can't. Can. <laughs> I can do what the fuck I wanna do. Right. And that's the truth. Yeah, we, you can do what the fuck you wanna do when right. you are an adult. Right. But but it doesn't mean that there aren't consequences to those exactly. to those things. And so it's like parenting yourself is really yeah. understanding the totality of the of the decisions that you make Absolutely. and how they play up to your self love. How they play up to how you feel about our yeah. how we feel about ourselves. And it doesn't mean to restrict yourself either. Listen, no. I ate very clean yesterday I went like I said I worked out did all that shit drank a gallon of water baby at like 7.15 I wanted a piece of pound cake it's pound town okay I, I wanted a, I wanted I a piece of pound, pound. now I didn't have a whole slice I had like a third of a slice okay and that satisfied me yeah but I said to myself I want it but I, I knew if I didn't allow myself to have it then mm-hmm I'm not. I go to sleep about eleven thirty ish. Yeah. But maybe by eleven o'clock, I'd have been down to like, let me get the whole thing. That's it. That's <laughs> but it. because the parent told the child, you can have a third of it. Yeah. The child was satisfied. Yeah. Satisfied. That's parenting it. yourself. So That's allowing parenting. yourself some, some some space as well. Oh, I love that. Beautiful. Well, with that being said, we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be back, we'll be back with this week's growing up game. Hey y'all, it's Vaughn. Before we dive into this week's Growing Up Gay, I just wanted to remind everyone to please rate the podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Five-star ratings and comments help to grow the show and we would greatly appreciate it. Now, back into this week's episode. 
And we are back with this week's Growing Up Gay. If you're new to the show, our Growing Up Gay is a section when we, it's the meat and potatoes of the show. This is when we kind of talk about a topic and we flush it out and we mm-hmm. have dialogue about it. And this week I want to talk about um, not being in a rush. So it's, I'm not in a rush. The pressures to achieve and obtain results. Mm-hmm. We live in a super achievement-based society. We live in a results-driven society. You know, when you are in kindergarten, the teacher says, the first person to raise their hand gets to answer the question, mm-hmm. you know. so All this shit started because of gold stars. It, it all started because a of bitch the wanted gold, a gold star. A fucking gold <laughs> star, literally. So it starts at a very, like, elementary level with us being, you know, conditioned in a world where we are rushing, where we're competing, where we're trying to be as... Um, as goal-oriented as possible, especially when you talk about our economic society of being a capitalistic society. All those mm-hmm. things kind of tie up to, Absolutely. you know, anxiety. And so we're in a rush t- to date, you know. We're in a rush to get married. We're in a rush to buy a home, finish school, get mm-hmm. dressed, starting a business, mm-hmm. you know, finding a job. And, and even with, you know, finding a job right now, we're, we're in the middle of a pandemic, we see that, a job is attached to financial security. Mm-hmm. It's attached to health care. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, if you, if you have a job, you get insurance. Mm-hmm. You don't have a job, you don't have insurance. So we're talking about our livelihood. We're talking about our health care. Mm-hmm. And all these things kind of tie up to the, the, the pressures of having results, the pressures of feeling anxious, of, of being afraid. You know, you can't take a day off if you Excuse are... You know, an hourly worker without being paid, without having PTO. And so right. all these things just tie up to fear of, of, of not having, of not, you know, of, of, of just losing. Of lack. Yeah, of lack, exactly. And I was watching this thing. Um, RuPaul did this interview a while ago, and um, he talked about that he was addicted to the rush that came with having to be somewhere. Mm-hmm. Having to quickly get ready and, and, and jump in the car and oh my gosh I'm 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 I, I only have five minutes left to get there right and, and I and I definitely found some uh, familiarity there with mm-hmm. having that same like Lady Gaga talked I'm sorry to derail Lady Gaga talked about that and mm-hmm. I rarely mention Lady Gaga like that but she talked about that in um, <clears throat> I think it was during the promo process for. Either Joanne or was this around the Oprah interview thing that she did? Mm-mm. Okay, this was it was either I think it was an interview for like Joanne or the Joanne album or the album before that I remember what's called Art Pop I think yeah mm-hmm. it was one of those two where she was talking about being in that stage of her life where she was like and she's like club studio I remember that, next yeah. club yeah event uh, beauty like she was just saying that like her life was like for like. Five years was nothing but go, 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 go. Always chasing after what's next. Yeah. What to accomplish. Yeah. You know, the lifestyle. Like it was, she was saying it was fun, but it's like it can be draining. It is draining. It is draining. It is draining. And then having having this like topic on my mind, I begin to think about the first time I personally begin to feel rushed and anxious and felt the pressure of the world. And it was like in my home. Absolutely. With my parents. I remember when I first found out about my HIV status, I was still, well, I had left school and I was now living back at home. And me and my mom were in the car and we were driving. I was like 20, I think. And she said to me, 
you know, you have to make sure you always have a full-time job and you have to make sure that you have a great job because you need health you, you need healthcare. And if you don't have healthcare, then you're gonna die and you can't take care of yourself and I don't want that for you. So instantly there was this pressure Ooh. to like, he put weight on my damn chest. <laughs> I mean it was it was instantly this pressure that my livelihood is attached to a job. Yeah. And if I don't have a job then I die. Yeah. And that was and that shaped my career in corporate America. Mm-hmm. And that is honestly a part of the systemic plan that oh, yeah, they question. want us to feel that way. Yeah. You know. And so um that's when I first started to feel anxious. That's mm-hmm. when I first started to feel rushed and like and that I had to make things happen quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, do it now. And so I wanted to ask you um do you feel rushed part personally Mm -hmm. and if you do feel rushed or anxious about things um Mm -hmm. why oh yeah and where do you think that comes from um absolutely honestly i it's funny i had this conversation with my mother the other day um and that actually relieved a little bit of the rush Mm. um which was kind of beautiful and unexpected um but i think i've i've felt that rush very transparently i didn't really feel it at first Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in a in a, a household where I had other pressures um, as far as life goes. Like I, I always say, I'm the baby in my family, but I'm really the big brother. Um, and I had, I think, I had a lot of that pressure and a lot of that weight on me, making sure everyone else was okay and taken care of. But my parents have never—I shouldn't say never—but they didn't really worry about me growing up because I a part of my of who I am is making sure that everyone else is okay. And I'm also emotionally intelligent. I've been for a very long time. So I've always known that I need to be okay <laughs> in order for my parents to be okay with me being okay, um, if that makes sense to y'all. And what I mean by that is I, I made them, at a very young age, I made my parents realize I can take care of myself. Yes. So they never had to worry Was about Was that intentional for you? Oh, without question. Okay. I had a brother. My eldest brother's a fuck up. Bless him. I love his heart. But he's been... A fuck up since birth, literally. So you read the room and you saw so that, exactly that, my, that there was a responsibility ex- ex- for you. Absolutely, my, okay. like my eldest brother is a, a bit of a fuck up. My middle brother is perfect, but he's also like um, he lives in his own world. He's not as caring and as um, loving. I shouldn't say loving because he's very caring. And he's very loving, but he's just not as malleable. I'll say that mm-hmm. as me. Whereas I blend, I bend, I'm like water. I bend. I'm literally water. I'm a Scorpio. I bend. I go where everyone needs me to go. I take care of everyone. He's a little bit more streamlined. He's very Virgo, very like detached, almost into himself and, and his goals and his family and his what's focusing on his world. So not everyone falls into that. And a, just for transparency's sake, in my family, I think. A part of a lot of my rearing comes from my mother needing us to work as a trio because she always wanted to make sure that if one of us needs to take care of the other, we can. And because my middle brother <laughs> was like, fuck that, I had had no choice at a very young age but to make sure that like I, everyone is okay and I'm going to be okay so that way I can take care of anyone if I need to. But to answer your question, I started, I didn't really feel that rush um, until I was about 22, 23. Um, and it was because, and like I said, I, every, school came to me really easily. High school, that is. I got straight A's. I always, like, I graduated with, like, a 3.8 GPA. And, like, that was me not trying my last two years of high school. I just, life, uh, 
had always, I think I talked about this on the podcast once, things had, have always kind of just like naturally come to me. Um, so I don't think everyone ever felt the need to rush me or to worry about me because like I said, I always presented like everything is okay. Mm-hmm. I always had a plan. Like Malika said earlier, I'm a bitch with a plan. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I, when it comes to school, my parents never had to help me with homework. Like they never had to help me get into college or any of that shit. I took care of all that myself. So there really was no pressure until about 22, 23 when they were like, hmm, you're still not done with school yet. Hmm. You're now back at home and you're not dating, you're working in a, you know, in a sense. At a young age, I had a quote-unquote good job. But that came from me feeling that pressure. I think I, t- I talked about this on the show as well. At 21, my father cut me off. I went from being kind of spoiled and my father taking care of everything for me and like literally whatever I wanted, I could just call my dad and be like, I, I need this. And he would send me the money for it. And at 21, he cut me off. He was like, enough. <laughs> You're a big grown man now. I'm not buying you everything you want. You're no longer getting money every month. Like, figure it out yourself. And we didn't speak for like a year because that really, that was when I realized, oh shit, life ain't sweet. Mm-hmm. And that's when that rush started for me at, tw- at 21 when I realized, oh my God, I need to have a good job. Oh my God, I need to take care of myself. Because it went from me having the safety and security of, oh, my dad's gonna take care of me if anything. Like, he has money, it's fine. To like, oh shit. I'm at the end of the day, I'm all I have. I yeah. have to figure this out for myself. I have to get the good job. I have to work hard. I have to finish school. Like all these things came. That's when the rush started for me, like 21, 22. And also my two cousins died that at 22 um, in a car accident. And they were 15 and, and, and 17, 15 turning 16. They were driving to school and they got into a car accident. And then I was like, wow, I don't have time like I thought I did. Mm. Because if this 15 and 17 year old who are innocent little children can have everything stripped from them and they don't no longer exist in, in, in a physical sense anymore. Who's to say that I have time? Yeah. Who's to say, like, what is, the, the contract of time doesn't really exist anymore because I don't never know what's going to happen. So for me, that's when the rush started and that's what was so hard and I'm probably jumping ahead about cor- the, the coronavirus pandemic and stuff. It was because for the, it was the first time in about seven years that I had no choice but to stop. Yeah. Well, that well, that's interesting that you bring up the pandemic because I think for everyone, the rush it came to a crashing halt. Yeah. At at that moment, there, if you felt the need to rush, you couldn't do it anymore. You, you couldn't. couldn't. You couldn't do it anymore. You couldn't. So, every, and, and I also think that's well, not, I think I know that's why so many people have suffered with anxiety, yeah. because you know when we're in this world rushing is a part of just the social construct and so we get used to it yeah and it, and it does provide us a high and, and a feeling and so absolutely when it validates you, us yeah it validates us you know that we're working we're doing something we're being productive right you know again a metric oriented world and so when we lose that a lot of people have to like reimagine what success looks like for me Whew, yes. what does you know happiness look happiness like. look like for yeah. me? because often you know Lady Gaga, you know, event after week, after week, after week, after day, after day, after day. And when that goes, you have to say, who am I now without right. these things? Without these things. Without these things. And, and so, um, but what's beautiful is the curiosity piece Yeah, that can come from wanting to see what your life looks like free from the rush, free right. from um, the, all the rigmarole that comes with all the bullshit, right? Yeah. Um. So you talked about earlier, you know, really amping up yourself here and loving yourself and being radical yes. with loving yourself. Um, have you always 
felt that way about yourself? No. <laughs> <laughs> you know this. No. Um, well, I'll say this. I've always taken care of myself in the, like the literal sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I spoke about that earlier. But I, I've, I was also raised in a household with a father that said, even if you're going to Walmart, you need to iron your pants. You need to brush your hair. You need to make sure you're fully lotioned and you need to put on cologne. Like my father, and I know this is one of those things, the, the African-American versus, you know, non, uh, non-American black thing, like the whole immigrant, you know, you always hear like the diaspora wars. That was one of the things my father used to say, like, you don't want to be like, dutty <laughs> niya um, Where like you go to the Walmart in a bonnet, like that stuff always made they my father crazy. Cringe. Yeah, because he was always like, "No, you need to present, be presentable." Yeah. So I've always taken care of myself in that sense, and then yeah. also I'm gonna be even more transparent. I was fat. When you're fat, you don't have the luxury of being disheveled. Because mm-hmm. people already want to read you, yeah. especially in our community. Yeah. You don't have the luxury of just being. You can't just necessarily. I mean, you can obviously, but. Society tells you that you can't just show up in like basketball shorts and a t-shirt and flip-flops because now you look sloppy. Yeah. Even though the the, the, the dude with abs and, you know, toned shoulders and the same thing looks sexy. Mm-hmm. But you look sloppy, right? So I've always, because of those two things being fat and then my father's rearing, have always felt the need to take care of myself in the like, lit, the, the, the literal sense, but or maybe the figurative sense. But... I wasn't actually caring for myself. I was doing what... I was caring for everyone else's opinion of self, yeah. of myself. That's what I was doing. I was, a, I was a t- attending to how everyone else was going to perceive me. Especially, especially, like I said, as a tall black man, I've always had to shrink myself. Because I'm 6'2", with broad shoulders, dark skin. I'm naturally, quote-unquote, intimidating. Yeah. So by society standards, I never wanted to present myself in a way that could, you know play into that. Although, even in a suit, I'm still intimidating to people. Yeah. Like, and that, that's what living in New York taught me because I would literally be coming home from work in like a three-piece suit and fucking uh, sneakers because I always change out of my dress suits into sneakers and me walking home and people would still be like, like be walking down the steps by my um, apartment and people would like grab their stuff or like move to the side and right. like show that they were afraid of my presence and it would be like even in a fucking suit <laughs> like who robs someone in a fucking suit like that ma'am like I have groceries in my hand I can't do anything to you but um I've, I've learned to take actually I've learned to actually take care of myself in the past like two years three years moving to New York again really taught me how to, well actually no let me not lie Losing weight was when I started learning to take care of myself. And not in the initial sense, because in the initial sense, it wasn't a very healthy, you know, relationship that I had with myself and my body. But as I started to lose weight and I started to, like, be more comfortable in who I was and how I looked and how I presented and all those things, I started saying, like, okay, let me make sure I I take care of myself. And I, I got to a place where I wasn't doing it for anyone because I'm not someone that posts on social media that looks for that kind of validation or attention, and that's not shade at anyone. It's a, a it's that's your truth. Yeah. It's a read to myself. Yeah. <laughs> I've already the thing I've talked about that on here as well um, about how like maybe I, there's something wrong with me because I don't need people's validation in that sense. But um, I just did it for myself yeah. because I started I started appreciating myself. And I started appreciating my body. I started appreciating 
my features even being the thing we talk about this as well being dark skinned with like an african with african features like mm -hmm. traditionally african features or whatever you want to call them you know negro noses mm -hmm. you know all those things i had to learn to love i had to learn to love myself all over again and it, and it really happened for me in my mid-20s and those things take time they do right but often we see these things projected love yourself right and, and it's in this very like what do you think broad way but those things don't come to us quickly. Yeah. Those things don't come to us over like the like loving yourself and radical thought that 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 has to be taught to you a and then it, and it comes over time. Right. Um, I was gonna before we get when did because you've always been like Malik has always been Malik, right? But I know Malik. Yes. So I know there's been a journey in in, in that. When do you think you started to to ad love and advocate for yourself? Well. It's like you said. It's been a journey for me. Mm -hmm. every, I think every little era has been different, um, and I've like done it in a different way, mm. right? Like like now, I'm advocating for myself by taking my time, mm. by literally not rushing. Right. You know, earlier you're talking about your self care routine. There'll be times where in the past where I would jump in the shower, lotion my body quickly, and be out the door. Right. You know, but. What the fuck am I rushing for? <laughs> Did I even get the lotion in between my toes? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, is the lotion... Or, you know, like, I would leave the house and I'm like, God damn, it's, it's, it's an ash spot on my elbow. Right. Because I didn't get it. Because right. I was moving so quickly. Right. You know, and, and what I learned is that um, the pressures of the world are not my pressures. You know, the pressures of the world are not my pressures. Yeah. Um, they have nothing to do with me. Mm. At all, it's 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 really about what I need to feel the the most safe and comfortable in these moments. So I think um, once I begin to like listen to that inner voice, and the inner voice for me has always been saying, "Come on, Christina Aguilera, voice within." Come on, voice within. <laughs> it's, 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 it's the inner voice has always been asking me, "Who are you?" Mm. And and what is going to make you? Um, the most fulfilled in what you're doing. Right. That's always been my thing. What is it? There's always been like something leading me to feeling the most fulfilled, the most um, complete in, in, every, in everything that I'm doing. And so I think now um, it's just me really wanting to take my time. Like even when I'm teaching, I'm always saying there's no rush. There's right. no rush because it's true. There's no rush. And when I was thinking about, <clears throat> um, our society and, and, and how things are when it comes to capitalism and people looking at success um, as their barometer for, for you know, for being great, um, is I was um, reading the, this report from, from ABC News that they put out um, at the top of January and it was talking about New Year, same job, mm. and how, um, you know, black folks are, you know, 10 times more likely to have a job that doesn't have any um, security around, like, PTO and around mm -hmm. um, healthcare and, 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 and then how all these things just lead to anxiety and, and, and burnout mm -hmm. and sickness and illness. And mistrust. And and mis yeah, and mistrust of your employee and then of yourself too. Of yourself. And then also of the medical system. Absolutely. Like if I if I've never if I don't go to the doctor regularly and now something like a pandemic happens, why am I gonna be so comfortable in getting something shoved shoved in my arm? Mm-hmm. Like if I haven't built a relationship with a doctor that I feel like now I could just be 
something could be getting put in me. You know what I mean? It's easy to be manipulated by society telling you to stay away from something that you've never built a relationship with. Exactly. And 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 with that, it's it's also it. I think some of those things keep us from our desires. Oh, absolutely. From our true desires. When, absolutely. When when we're not able, when we're rushing and 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 we don't have the time to look around and to be more quiet, we miss out on what our heart is asking, and then mm-hmm. we can't be curious to to do a deep dive with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was going to ask, you know, earlier, before we started recording, we were talking about your cousin. Mm-hmm. And we are talking about um, her desires of her heart right. and what happens when you don't go after your desires. Right. Um, and and are there things in your life that you feel like you missed out on? Because oh, you, absolutely. That you didn't go after. <laughs> like, I know them personally. Oh, absolutely. But yeah. wh- what are some of the things Listen, that, that you think... Maybe rushing stole from you, or or, um, or or not having the time, or not creating the time stole from you. It stole a lot from me, um, and I stole it from myself. I'll be right. very not blaming anyone. I'll be very honest. But were you cognizant at the time that it was happening? Because I, I because I think it's one thing to operate in no. a place of societal structure. You're doing yeah. what you know. You're going with the flow. You're all in a train together, yeah. and then and you just in the matrix. Yeah, and then it's another thing to be cognizant that, oh my God, I'm making these decisions and this is what's happening. Right. Do you think that you no, were there? No, I, w- I wasn't cognizant of it at all. I think a lot of it for me, okay, I've always wanted to be a creative director. I've always wanted to be a singer. I've always wanted to be like a songwriter. I've always, but, but at the end, I've always wanted to do creative direction. That's always been my happy place. I, I used to say, I, I, like up until about 13 or 14, I wanted to be the star. After that, I wanted to make the stars, right? And... For me, the reason why it wasn't a cognitive decision to not do it is I didn't think it was a reality. No one in my family ever, like, poured into any of my creativity. It was never acknowledged. It was never um, supported. It was never pushed. Like, the most pushed I've ever gotten for any creative ability that I have was or, or any creative interest that I have is when I asked my mom for piano lessons and she got them for me. I went to two, but it was an old white lady with, she was like 50, she was one of those like hippies. Yeah. And she had her kid, her son late. Um, so she was like maybe 52 and her son and I were probably the same age, about nine or 10, or nine probably. And he was weird. They had a bunch of cats. And I was like, mm, not feeling the vibe. Yeah. <laughs> and like most parents would be like, no, you're going. Yeah. Like, regardless. Or, no, you said you wanted to play piano. Let's find another teacher. My mother was like, okay. That's it. <laughs> you don't have to go back. Yeah. That's it. And I never, you know, that was the, even like, and it's funny, I have a few, I, I know it's something that, that I'm triggered by. Because I think about like the first, when I was in second grade, we had just moved to America. Um, and I had gotten, I was in a, a stage play, um, and I was, you know, I'm in the teapot, short and stuff, here's mm-hmm. my handle, here's my phone, pour me out, that thing. Like, yeah. I had gotten to, I was a teapot. Yeah. Um, and I remember, I, I will never forget this, this, like, ever, but I remember finishing that performance, right, and like, every, all, it was me and all the kids, and everyone's bow, we all bow, and then everyone's parents run up to them, and my parents weren't there. Mm. Right, that sits with me because I had to walk home by myself that day and like go to my aunt's house and that like 
that's very representative of my creative endeavors and my family. Like no one acknowledged the fact that I could sing until I 23 mm-hmm. or 24. And it was my cousin Marsha that was like, we need to go to, no, I, was, I think I was 25. Actually, I was 25. Yeah, I was 25. That's so late in life. Yeah, yeah. You guys, I mean, my Bond mother... has been singing <laughs> since we were teenagers. My mother picked me up from chorus one time and then asked, she was like, why are you going to chorus? And I was like, because I can sing. This is like senior year of high school. And I was like, because I can sing. And she was like, you can't sing. You can't sing. Yeah. And I was like, I can sing. And then she was like, sing for me. And I sang something. She said, like, oh, you can't sing. Ah! <laughs> outside of, but outside of that, like, it wasn't until 25 and it was my... I won't forget this day either. We were driving. My father was in Atlanta. Um, it was right when my parents started dating again. Mm-hmm. And it was my brother's. Actually, they weren't even dating yet. He had come up because my brother's wedding was coming up soon. And he had to like get some stuff finalized with my mom. Um, so he was in Atlanta. And my cousin Marshall was like, yo, we should go do karaoke. And I was like, I instantly got anxious. Because I'm like, I love the idea of that. But I don't want to sing in front of my parents. Like, that's, you know, nerve-wracking. And then... My cousin Marshall was like, yeah, because, you know, so-and-so can, uh, Vaughn can sing. I was going to say my real name, but <laughs> not there yet. Vaughn uh. can sing or whatever. And I was like, uh, don't say that. Like, it's awkward. And then my dad was like, oh, yeah, he used to be able to sing all the time when he was young. He had a great voice. And I was like, screw it. I still can sing. What the fuck you talking about? It was, no. I was still. Funny enough, it wasn't that. It was... I had a great voice. Back in the day. He, he he was aware of it. Yeah. Okay. It was, and then my mom chimed in. She was like, yeah, he used to sing around the house all the time. Like, he had a really good voice. And I was like. But you act like I couldn't sing the other day. Bitch. No, not even that. Bitch, it's been 25 years. Where was any of this before? I My father and mother had, my father especially had literally never mentioned the fact that I could sing before. Never. My mother had only acknowledged it that one time. So as someone that loves to sing, but it has anxiety based around it mm-hmm. because of my parents, yeah, it was wild to hear them acknowledge it. So as far as creativity goes, I, I purposely chose to stay away from that path because I didn't believe in myself. Yeah. I, the, con- the confidence and the foundation for me to believe in that being even an option was not laid, yeah. which is why I never took social media seriously. Like we, like we OGs of this shit. Yeah, literally. Like we've been... <laughs> I had 10,000 Twitter followers when... Fucking celebrities had 5,000 followers, mm-hmm. like, in 2010 and shit. Like, I've been, and I've had opportunities to do certain things, and I've stayed away from them, again, because I didn't believe in myself. Yeah. So that's why I said I know I handicapped myself in a, in, a lot of, in a lot of ways, and, like, not putting myself all the way out there because I'm afraid of what comes with putting yourself all the way out there. So I know I've definitely handicapped myself in certain ways. And, like, now one thing that has changed and done 180 for me over the past year is some of that like i've i wrote two songs with my friend victor last year i wrote another song by myself actually two other songs by myself and like my friend victor and i are about to finish another song shout out to victor perry uh, he's very talented himself he has um a bunch of music on spotify and apple music so please stream victor perry um but i've been all in all, I've been tapping back into it. And then creating this business was another way to tap into my creativity. Because like I said, for me, I've always been obsessed with marketing. I've always been obsessed with creative direction. And I've always had ideas. And building brands is something that I've always wanted to do. We just didn't grow up with that being an option for us. Bring a brand consultant. Being a, a, a creative, director, creative director in the sense of um, branding and, 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 and building companies wasn't something that's was as familiar as it is now yeah 
to us. Yeah. We still have the... I always say our generation is, like, really weird. Like, if you're born between 1988 and, like, 1993, 1994, or even 1995, I'll give 1995 some credit as well. We grew up in this space where it's, like, we're not the 80... Like, the 81, 82 millennials, but we're also not the 97-year-old Gen Zs who grew up with being a content creator as a, like, viable job. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. when we were growing up, the internet was just a safe space to have fun. Mm -hmm. It wasn't something to take seriously. It was literally jokes. (laughs) It was jokes. It was message boards. Right. It was shooting the shit. Even podcasting. Yeah. When when I first started listening to podcasts, I never thought these people would now be making three, four, five, six hundred thousand. I didn't think it was, I didn't didn't think it was possible. Thank you. Like, I never, like, I remember blog talk radio. Oh my god! Or we were, we used to fucking run. We used to bitch. Like our show was mad fucking popping up. Um, yeah, like, I'm talking about two, three hundred people listening live, live and calling in. Not four hundred people listening after we've recorded. No, 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 no. no live. live and tweeting about it with our show hashtag and and, and the and, Valik show and then <laughs> and then going to Twitter to be a mess because right. we just said some crazy crazy shit. shit. You know, right. like that is the era we came up in. Yeah. Um, and now I, I, I always, and I think I always mentioned him to you. Um, damn, I forgot their name. What, Ricky Thomas? Ricky oh, Thomas? Oh, yes. Ricky Thomas. Rick and, Thomas, whatever his name is. And the, the, his friend. Yeah. Uh, Denzel. Denzel, yeah. I always joke and say, like, they're like us. They are. They're, they're more white leaning. No shade. Um, they are. But they're kind of like how we were at 18 and 19. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Like, that whole that the duo of them, yeah. if you will, excuse yeah. me, uh, the duo them being a duo and kind of like operating as they do. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how we were yeah. with you being Ricky, the more vivacious, more like out there, fun one, and me being Denzel, a little more reserved, but like funny. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we we had that dynamic then, and it worked. It did. And I remember even someone saying to me, um, "Shout out to Bree, Big Shit XF Talker." Even when we had Bree and I had our podcast. Like, I remember there was this person on Twitter, and I, I think I've mentioned him before also on the show. I don't remember his name. I don't remember anything about him, anything about his social media. He disappeared a few years ago. But he, I remember him directly tweeting me and Bri and being like, y'all need to, like, get some money out of this shit. And this was back in, like, 2015, mm-hmm. 2016. And, like, being like, y'all need to get some shit out of this. He's like, Vaughn, you had a show with your other friend, and, like, now you have this pod- podcast. And, like, y'all have these followings. Y'all need to find, find ways to, like, make money off of them. And Bri and I were like... Boy, ain't doing all that shit. Right, he DM'd us, and we were like, "Bruh, this is just Twitter. Niggas yeah. is in Sweden. Like, I got a job. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> ain't nobody taking this shit serious." But now, and fast now, forward, twenty twenty one, everybody's everybody, everybody trying to figure out how to monetize. Everybody, platform. bitch, I'm trying to figure out. Everybody, how to like you know. Um, but I think what's interesting about this conversation is that what what I'm hearing is that it takes time, you guys. Oh yeah. It takes time to it get, can it can take time to get out of the matrix. You know, it, it it can take time to slow down and to find your footing in the world and to and to be curious about what things can be. Mm-hmm. You know, despite what they are in this very moment. And I think give yourself that grace, give yourself that time to to get there when yeah. you get there. Um, beautiful. That leads us to our grown and gay. Yes. Which is, you know, our little bit more racy, a little bit more spicy. Rated R. Section. <laughs> um, so this week's grown and gay is, I don't want to nurture a relationship, nigga. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't, my heart of heart wants to be loved. I mm-hmm. want to be desired. 
I want to desire someone. I mm-hmm. want to be intimate. I want. I want to have that. I, I want a relationship. I want a family. You want relations, not I, relationships. I, I'm sorry. I want relations. There you go. I want to be desired. I want to be loved. I want to be touched on. But but when it comes to creating a consistent dynamic that I need to pour into and nurture weekly and monthly and daily, I don't see that for myself yeah. right now. And I think. The one thing the pandemic has showed me is that you know I I spent the last year trying to survive, mm-hmm. and now and now I'm trying to figure out how to thrive in my new life and with my new condition and where I am, and I don't see a relationship in that. Right. But also, you know, we're talking about the pressures of the world and the anxiety that comes with being alone, mm-hmm. and the anxiety that comes with being you know. A black gay man of a certain age. I'm mm-hmm. 29. I'm young and pruned. <laughs> Period. If you know, you know. If you know, if you know young and pruned, <laughs> you know. If you don't know, whatever. But um, all in all, I get it. You yeah. know, I... There are so many Instagram pages. Black gay weddings. Black gay this. And, and where... You know, you got Native Son posting a couple pictures all the time. Yeah. Where, where these things can be triggering a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and they can put um, on uh, sometimes this unwarranted expectation that you mm-hmm. need to be somewhere that you're not. Mm-hmm. And that how you are, what you are, where you are is not enough. Absolutely. And I've definitely felt that. I would be a liar yeah. if I said that um, I didn't feel the need to compete sometimes. Absolutely. With being single, with, with trying to... Um, attain a relationship but ultimately i know that i'm not in a rush to nurture a relationship you shouldn't be um the only relationship you should worry about nurturing consistently is your the one with yourself that's it yeah and you know i was in clubhouse the other day and there's this guy named um i think tyson he was talking about you know him consistently dating himself Mm. and how Mm. and how he has to ensure that he is in a pl- in a, in a position of fullness, mm-hmm. and as he's dating himself, it's preparing him to how he's going to be treated when he's in a relationship, mm. and how he will. Because you know we're all projecting something, whether we know it or not. Mm-hmm. And so when you're like actively loving yourself, actively dating yourself, actively pouring into yourself, you begin when you meet people, you will project a certain level of a, of self authority mm-hmm. um, that people either are gonna vibe with, they're gonna like, or be intimidated, or be by. intimidated by. Yeah. you know, it's it's just gonna happen. Yeah. And so with that, what I'm realizing is that I'm just at a point now where I'm I'm more into pouring into myself. Yeah. I'm more into asking what does Malik need to feel secure and to feel happy and to feel safe in these moments. And that's not centered around a man or relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, this pandemic has made me... I want to be loved on. <laughs> I want to be touched on. As I touch my shoulder very... <laughs> delicately. Delicately. You know, I... I th- that's what I need to feel good and to yeah. feel safe. And, and that's okay. And, and, and when I feel differently about, you know, wanting to give my energy to someone in that way, mm-hmm. I will do it. But right now, I don't feel that. Yeah. Although I will say, prepare yourself for when you do. Because... I went through that phase of mm-hmm. dating my, for a very long time. I didn't lose my virginity until I was 25. Like, I remember. I, he called me. <laughs> <laughs> but the reason why I'm saying that is because, I, ironically, it although loving yourself is very, and dating yourself is very important, and I think everyone should do it, it doesn't fix things. No. Um, and that's something that if, I if, learned. If, if only it, thing, it, it can, makes things more, 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 more pop Thank you. I was just, I was just going to say, because what ends up happening is, 
you start dating people. And I'm I'm not one of those people that feel like, oh, you you get what you put out there. I'm sorry. I don't think that's necessarily the case. Like, I just don't. Because no. I've I've yet to date anybody that makes more money than You'll me. You'll still meet a fuck nigga and be a good person. Thank you. Thank you, friend. And 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 they will and, try and you. Here's the thing, not even not even a fuck nigga. And my for me, it was more so just because I was so used to dating myself and treating myself and taking care of myself and like when I started dating people, I naturally did the same thing for them. Mm-hmm. And not everyone is ready to handle that because not everyone has dated themselves. Not everyone has done for themselves what they should, right? So what ends up happening is you get yourself to this place where you're secure, or not even if you're not even fully secure. You're, you're just doing for you like you normally would. That's it. And you're that intimidates mm-hmm. other people. Because then they feel like they have to re- reciprocate that same level. Right. And if they're not es- established and, or, and or secure they, in that way, if they can't do that, then what happens? Or they start questioning mm. where that's coming from because they've never got it. Like my, my ex, like I'll never forget the first like weekend we spent with each other, he was so like anxious the whole time because like we went out the like like we went out Friday night, went to dinner, we were running around the city, going to like, you know, uh, art art galleries or whatever. And then we come home and like have a great night, wake up in the morning, I make this thing a breakfast, and like he comes out of the room and he's like, What are you doing? And I'm like, nigga, I'm in the kitchen cooking. What do you mean? What am I doing? Right. And he's like, Why are you making me breakfast? And I'm like, Cause you're my boyfriend, right? And it's breakfast, time. right? Like, what is so strange about that? And he was like, "I've never had that happen before." Wow. He was, mind you, this is a twenty. He was twenty nine, a twenty nine year old man yeah. that has like been out since he was eighteen and never had a man. Make and him he's breakfast. never had a man made him like. So it made him suspicious. Like he was like, "Is everything okay?" And I'm like, "Bruh." It's breakfast. Yeah, that's it. Nigga, relax. <laughs> so dating yourself is amazing, and, and it, it will do that though. But I, the reason why I, the reason why I mentioned that is because there could be, and you probably will run into some people that you being so secure in where you are and your level will intimidate them. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's what comes with being emotionally intelligent. Mm-hmm. I think that's what comes with doing that self work because then you're able to see, okay. The way I am is triggering you to a degree, right? You know, and and I think you can tell that when you are in that secure way, like like you 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 were you were able to, you were able to tell that something was off right. with how the way you were showing up was affecting your boyfriend at the time. So right. I think that's interesting. Um, well, you guys, that was our growing up gay and our grown in gay. Um, we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be back with on the timeline. Be right back. Hey y'all, it's Malik. Aren't you tired of hearing those queens lecturing us? No? Well, I am. So we want to hear from you. Have a question, comment, or some messy tea? Write into the show for our spill it section at growingupgaypodcast at gmail.com. Now back into the show. All right, so we are back with this week's On the Timeline. Malik, let them know what we're going to be talking about. So this week, we're going to talk about three things. Zaya Wade's, her legendary interview with the forever first lady, Michelle Obama. We're going to talk about um, the black barbershop experience that you guys have been talking about on Twitter. It's kind of gone viral. And then we're going to talk about the royals, child. (laughs) Actually, let's let's dive into Meghan and Harry. Let's get them out of the way. Meghan, 
Harry, the Queen, and Arch, and Archie, young Archie. <sighs> um, I think I'm happy that Megan and Harry are talking. Mm-hmm. I've been wanting to hear from them. I didn't watch the whole interview. I've only watched it's like good. the. It's long. But it's good. Oh, it's, it's two hours, right? Yeah, yeah. I've just watched the, the, the you know seventeen million people tuned in. The big sound bites and yeah. seventeen million people tuned in, and it's three hundred thirty-five thousand dollars for a thirty-second clip. Whoo! And they were running them to crazy. license a thirty-second uh. clip. $350,000? Boy, get out of here. Um, but shout, shout, shout out to Oprah and Harpo for producing yeah. it. Yeah. Shout out to them. Um, I thought it was definitely jaw-dropping, but nothing that shocked me. Mm-hmm. Of course the Royals are racist. I mean, duh. I, I think what was more... Honestly, <laughs> I think the best part of that interview... Let me see. Let me see. People have a lot of things to say about Oprah, but Auntie does her job. She does her job. Listen, Oprah is a 60-plus-year-old woman that grew up in the Jim Crow South. Jim Crow South. Racism does not shock her. But all the what? What? Who's having that conversation? All of that? I said, you better fucking work for this Emmy, bitch. You better. She was. Listen, Oprah played that interview so brilliantly. She acted aloof when she needed to. Mm-hmm. She asked questions when she even she even pushed. There were a few times where I was like, Oprah, she's clearly not comfortable. Stop pushing. But it was good because that's what. Her job is as a journalist, and she she mm-hmm. did it. She had a beautiful way of pushing and then bringing it back and making sure Megan felt safe. Yep, I agree, and um, I think that I was alarmed to hear that they cut him off. Yeah, there but were there were a few that things. that was like wow because you would think that you're you're born into this. Yeah, you know there there are certain privileges that can't be stripped because of your royal blood. But right. to hear that it definitely let me know that. Wow, racism is so it's so real because yeah. you guys, that's how you, you guys are pervasive. Me. It's so pervasive. You know what's funny? I think my problem with how people have received that interview is they weren't paying attention because everyone did that. Yeah, we know the Royals are racist, right? I'm like, that's not the point. No, racism is racism is so real that. They will disenfranchise Thank you. a own. white person, yeah. their own, just because you are dating yeah. someone. Not even black. just a white person. They're their own. Yeah, their own. And it's like, wow. And for that, it, it, that's, like I said, that was my issue. I'm like, y'all don't realize what this, it, it's, what Oprah mm-hmm. and them are trying to tell you. Mm-hmm. Race, racism is so pervasive that even 10% of it being in the blood mm-hmm. is enough yep. for them to diminish everything the royal family has built up mm-hmm. to this point. Yep. For them to say, you're exiled yeah. from being acknowledged and protected, being protected by us because yeah. of maybe 10% blackness in your children. Yeah. Because let's The potential it, let, that they the could be dark. Right. Yeah. Because Megan is a quarter, but she's also very light. I mean, yeah. Ma- Megan is half black, but she's also very light. She's very light. She's Megan is very light. And granted, if you see pictures when she's younger, because a lot of people are like, oh, she's white passing. It's hard for me to c- consider her white passing because I've seen Megan as a child. Her as a child, she's definitely a black, black child. That ain't With, nobody's white a doubt. passing. You know, that's, you know there's black in there. You know, you, whether it's full black or not, you you'll pr- probably question. Yeah. But when she was younger, she was a little bit browner. Mm-hmm. That nose was a little bit rounder, mm-hmm. and her hair was curly, curly, curly. curly I'm curly, talking curly. about three C four A curly. It was kinky curly. Thank you. It like you wear your hair through, it's gonna right. pop. And you know what's so funny? They, I, <laughs> I remember when they were on their Australia run. Mm-hmm. Every other picture they would show of Megan, like I, could, I would look her hair. I'm like. Mm. 
the ancestors are showing up. Because the roots, the roots. <laughs> one thing about the roots, they will tell on you. The roots always tell the truth. They will tell on you. The roots say the truth. There was a lot of, there was a lot of frizz. There was a lot of uh, lifting. There was yeah. a lot of, the hair was, the hair was acting. Listen, the ancestors was jumping out in, in the roots. Damn. But um, I, 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 again, I watched The Crown. If you watch The Crown, the last episode, season four of The Crown with uh, Princess Diana, it's eerily similar. Wow. The experience that Megan had and the, the the experience that Diana had. They're wow. very, very, very similar. And I think what I wanted people to get away to get away from this is and I and I'm sure, like I said, I know I know people know that like society is racist, especially that family. That family's literally the bloodline that destroyed like so many black countries. So many so many black and indigenous countries. So many. But what I really want people to understand is um, Charles Prince Charles, mm -hmm. a lot of people his generation and his age are our senators. Yes. They are our governors. They are our judges. Mm -hmm. They are our heads of state. They keep these systems in place. Thank you. Yeah. That is what I want people to focus on. And I, I think people miss... They missed it. They missed the big picture. They wanted to be flippant, so they yeah. missed it. They want to be cute. They want to mm -hmm. be um, cavalier. But the mm -hmm. thing is, there are powers that at be right. at play that want you to be ignorant that right. want you to be you know gullible but it's right. like to your point these people continue to perpetuate these systems right and they keep them in place and so i thought the interview did a great job at, at, at illuminating some truths yeah. that we probably and i'm glad she didn't see. say a name a lot of people the name doesn't matter thank you a lot I've, I've seen so many people's upset with her for not saying name because the name like, doesn't oh. matter but i'm like that's not the point that's not the point the point is that it's happening and it's being not only happening it's being upheld by the entire family, family. so saying what does that, that tell you puts blame on one person uh -huh. when it's not one not one person everyone's complicit everyone's this. complicit even the queen even the queen and they they did a, i think they did a really good job of of not making it about the queen like they balanced it by saying like look no she was actually you know of the family members, she was the one that reached out the most. And I believe it because that's her grandbaby. Yeah. Say what you want to feel how you may. I know that as a grandmother, she has more softening there than she probably would for her own kids. Yeah. But at the end of the day, even she, with the bit of softness that she showed them. It's not enough. Remained complicit. Absolutely. And I think that was the bigger story is that. There's complicity there, mm -hmm. and then Pierce brought up uh, whatever that man's name. Who? Is. Morgan. Child. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. I mean, and that's it on that. Yeah. I don't even, fuck and you. Sharon Osbourne, bitch. Fuck you. Did you see what happened with her and Sharon Underwood? No. Oh my God. Real quick, because we gotta we gotta wrap this up. Yeah. Sharon Osbourne felt the need to do what a lot of people do when no one asked them to, <sighs> was publicly support Piers Morgan or whatever the fuck his name is. Um, she got on Twitter and tweeted that she's publicly stands with him and da da da, da and you know she supports him da da da. So of course, so of course, everyone now was like, "Girl, who the fuck was talking to you? Why are you even in this?" Yeah. And then everyone started dragging her and calling her racist because obviously you're saying you support someone that has been belligerent, yeah, has been fucking harassing Meghan yeah. Markle. Come to find out, he um, has met Meghan in a bar once, yeah. Had a crush on her. Yeah. Tried to talk to her. And she put her in a cab, and then she went to meet Prince like William the. Ne I mean Prince. Um, the Harry, same night, right? The same night. Yeah. And then ended up never ever speaking to to Pierce again. He's butthurt. At least you never had a chance. Never had a chance. You didn't have a chance. Look at you. Look at him. Look at 
Not even that. Look at her. Look at her. You didn't have, you don't have, listen, the range is not there. Mm. Um, but yeah, and then what really pissed me off with Sharon was she went on the talk, and of course, she backtracked. Did, no. She did what white women do, and she became the victim now. Oh. I'm being attacked and called racist, and how dare these people? Oh, and, da, da. and then Cheryl Underwood was trying to explain to her, and she lashed out on Cheryl Underwood. She said, Don't you dare! Don't you dare cry! Don't you dare cry! Don't make this about you! No, she did not do that to Cheryl Underwood. On national TV. She berated a black woman. On national wow. TV. Does Cheryl Underwood, Underwood have any? Did she do anything? Could she say anything? Cheryl Underwood handled that with way more class and grace than I ever could have, because she didn't raise her voice, she didn't feed into it. She she spoke calmly and tried to say that I'm I'm your friend. I'm trying to see where you're coming, bitch. I would have. They would have fired me that day. I would have given her everything she wanted. I would have been that angry black bitch that day. But Cheryl Underwood, class act. Class at kudos to Cheryl Underwood, kudos. and I'm so sick of black people always having to be so fucking tactful Tired. and so fucking graceful. Tired of when we that that was so triggering for me. When it, 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 it was triggering me hearing it yeah. that she would berate her like that. Yeah. In in that I it, gosh. Um, speaking of triggering, speaking <laughs> of triggering, um, bitch, black barbershop. Yes. So. If you are on the socials, specifically Twitter or um, TikTok, you probably saw a TikTok, TikTok that went viral um, of a black mother sharing a story about her child with autism, if I'm not mistaken, um, and how she, when he was getting to the age where he started needing his haircut, she started taking him to black barbershops um, and how her experience was bad. And like people would make fun of him, people because he was afraid of the sound of the clippers, uh, and then he also just didn't like the, the, the feeling of getting his hair cut. So people, she said she went to multiple different barbershops and like each time it was the same experience where the barbers were either rude or people were like laughing at him while, you know, he was struggling with getting his hair cut. So she, it, it was so harmful to her son. The experiences were so harmful that she decided I'm just going to lock his hair. I'm going to give him locks. And we're just going to, he's just going to have locks. Because she did not want to continue to have that experience with him. And for years, he stayed with locks. I think like two or three years until she finally found a barber that, like a black barber that worked with children with autism. His clippers were silent. They didn't make any noise. And he created like a whole experience for the kids when they were coming in. So they felt very comfortable with getting their hair cut. Right? So that TikTok was, was going viral. And then it started going viral on Twitter. And a gentleman shared his experience saying, basically retweeted it and was saying, it's, it's eerie how that child's experience is so similar to his as a kid, especially even now as an adult, with being gay and getting, going to black male barbershops. Um, the anxiety, the, the fear that can come with stepping into the barbershop, right? So sure enough, um, cis hetero black men and cis hetero black women, especially black women, had a lot to say. And I ignored it at first. And then it, it turned into a lot of uh, black women saying that it was an, there was an attack on black men, cis hetero black men. They said black men as if gay black men are not black men, right. which says it all. Um, right. And the conversation started essentially saying that people were being dramatic. Oh, just stop, just stop, being, stop being gay. Like, that fixes things. Like, that's how life fucking works. And for me, it was really 
and I tweeted about this. I said, it's really, it's, really fun. it's not even, it's not even triggering. It's not even uh, hurtful. It's just annoying at this point for me that black women, and I'm going to specify cis hetero black women here, tend to. It's not even a pick me situation at this point. They just tend to completely ignore the experiences or the validity of experiences of people that are not them. Uh-huh. And, and I tweeted that. I said, it's funny how like cis-hetero black women can have their own experiences with cis-hetero black men that, cre- that have created these spaces for them to not feel comfortable, not feel welcomed, to, to be anxious about because they don't know. And it's not even anyone doing anything to you directly doing anything or directly saying anything to you that puts you in harm. It's simply the environment that has been curated that you know you're not safe there. And it's okay for us to validate you and your experiences there, but you can't seem to do an ounce of the same for us. And me personally, I'm, I'm, I'm really sick of it. And I, and I also tweeted this. The whole I'm rooting for everybody black bullshit, mm-hmm. I'm gonna leave that to Issa because she's a better woman than I am. Yeah, I'm not I, rooting for I, I think those. Black. I think those. I'm rooting those for days are, those They're days longer. Are, those and I think I said that on here a few years ago. Those days are, are 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 over because here's the thing: we we we. Everyone keeps saying the black experience is not monolithic, but it truly is not monolithic at all. All black folks, not all black folks, not just can folk, and definitely not just can folk. Right, all skin folk and can folk. That's what it is. Thank you. And so ultimately, I think that it's it's like. The black folks who are progressive, the black folks who believe in, in, in inclusive principles are the ones I'm riding with. Right. But these people that continue to prop up these old ideas of how the world should be, it's like, listen, I can't, I can't fuck with that. I right. can't fuck with you. I'm good. Right. And as a gay black man who, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I was telling Malik about this earlier, like, I'm going to just really quickly mention my experiences in the past three years. In living in Harlem, and I know I'm not excusing Dominican, Latino people either, because I know there's homophobia and racism there. But at my barbershop in Harlem, it was a Dominican barbershop. The majority, everyone there was Dominican or Puerto Rican. Everyone, I saw the flags. <laughs> They're all Latino. I never had any issues with anything. Like There were other queer people that came in there, some far more, far more, because I'm not femme presenting, far more femme presenting than I am. There was a trans, uh, there was a trans man that, that came to that shop also, and like the conversations would sometimes be had, um, but for the most part, no one ever even acknowledged any of that. It was always come get your haircut. They're gonna talk shit about sports and and, and foot, football. Yeah, and, they and love football. right and food and, and you know they're gonna have their fun and that's what it was. And again, I'm not saying that those same experiences of, of you know homophobia and transphobia don't happen in those spaces. All I'm saying is the shop that I went to for damn near two years straight, I never had any issue of that. I've been back in Atlanta for about eight months now. Maybe nine, nine, no, maybe nine months. Maybe 10 months, almost. Yeah, about 10 months. I've gone to three different shops before I settled on the one that I'm going to now. And I purposely, because it is a all black hetero space, (laughs) like, this hetero male space, I purposely go in with my AirPods in and I don't listen to anything. And the one time that I listened to anything, oh, well, let me also share the experience. There was a, the last time I got my haircut, there was a young um, gay boy in there. And it was funny watching him, not funny, it gave me a lot of anxiety watching him get his, his haircut. Um, 
Because the minute he got out of the seat, he, you know, the hip switched mm-hmm. and the hands, you know, were loose and Nice was feeling his beat. Like yeah. he, he was, was he was celebrating he himself. He was celebrating himself. Yeah. He said, Bitch, my cut looks good. You know, he had like the loose, curly, pretty, you know, he's light skinned pretty boy situation going on and he was just feeling himself and i literally y'all because of my own experiences and hearing the shit that people say in barbershops i literally paused the podcast that i was listening to so that i could hear because i said if anybody says anything to this young man you're going up i'm i'm showing up yeah that's it i'm showing up and no one said anything and i was shook to my core that no one said anything because he was very very femme presenting in that moment, like yeah. feeling his beat. Yeah. Right. And he, even he, I could tell he, he, he toned it down. Yeah. After like the first 10, 15 seconds, he toned it down a little bit. Yeah. And I was so surprised that no one said anything. And it wasn't, he left, he walked out, he walked back in. And I remember being like, wow, no one is, you know, like harassing him or saying anything. And it wasn't until like a few moments later when uh, this black dude, this uh, dark skinned big dude, got out of a seat, beard, you know, buffer looking dark skinned guy and he said all right son come on let's go and i said oh yeah oh daddy's here yeah and daddy looks like a regular and daddy like he'd be somebody ass yeah so they couldn't say anything even if they wanted to and yeah. sure enough y'all I, kid, I shit you not maybe 10 minutes after they left there started to be a conversation about trans women about how trans women are out here tricking men and that's how and, and that's how that's how they get killed that's how these niggas get killed because you on on Instagram or you on out in the club looking like a woman and then I get you home and you got you 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 got dick between your legs. You why you ain't telling me about that beforehand? You was out here tricking me. Da, 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 da. And what what caused that conversation to happen was them scrolling on Instagram seeing this beautiful woman clicking on her page and then gagging because she clearly spoke about being trans on her page. Which made me go, well then who was hiding anything? Who was hiding anything? No one was hiding anything. Outside of your desires for her, maybe. You are trans you attracted. Were hiring, you are you trans were attracted. Hiring that, but you're, yeah. you're trans attracted in that uh-huh. sense. That's all that was. You were attracted to a trans woman. Mm-hmm. And, that, and, then the, and then literally, y'all, I put my head from my, my ear pods back in and tuned the whole thing out because I said I knew this was going to happen. Yeah. I knew it was going to happen. I knew at some point the space that was seemingly safe was now going to become unsafe. I've never been to a barbershop and felt safe. Never. Outside of in New York, after, even before I moved to New York, I had my same barber for three years here in Atlanta. And there were so many different times, because he didn't know that I was gay. There were so many different times that he would, and he was Muslim, the Nation of Islam. Mm-hmm. There were so many different times when he would say things, and I would just be like, nigga, just cut my hair, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear about... Nigga, I don't want no damn bean pie. Fuck you. Right. I don't, wanna, I, don't care what you about, I don't care what you think about sissies or any of that shit. Cut my hair, please. And speaking of transphobia, Zaya Wade. The final topic for this week's episode. The legendary Zaya Wade. She did, she did a fabulous interview with our the first lady, Michelle, Michelle Obama. I loved it. I thought it was beautiful. I could tell. I loved watching um, Zaya's, the, the, the gleam in her eye. Mm, yeah. It was um, hopeful. Yeah. I felt hopeful watching her interview. I felt hopeful with. Just the way she was, just looked enamored with her. Yeah, you know, just that gleam and that hope and that 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 star in her. I was like, wow, she was taken aback. Yeah, she was not able to speak the first five minutes because she just was so shocked that she was in the room talking was talking to Michelle. Michelle but I thought Michelle did, did such a beautiful job at affirming her yeah. as a child. You know what made me laugh? What? 
<laughs> and this is not like anything bad at Michelle, uh, at Miss Michelle Obama. Yes. Um, in the in the beginning of the interview, you could tell Michelle was like Michelle yeah. wanted to be like, hey girl, but yeah. she didn't know if she could say hey girl, like what she should say or so she was like hey, <laughs> she's like hey, and then you can see her like where do I go with this? It was so funny to see. Not many people picked up on it. Yeah, at all. I, and it wasn't anything malicious. I think she was just genuinely like, hey, girl, can I, is that what I, yes, no? Okay, let me just stop and hey. Like, it was just like, a, it, to me at least, yeah. I could be 1,000% off. You and, never and, I'm not, and I'm not accusing Michelle Obama of, of being transphobic or like, you know, not understand or not acknowledging Zaya's gender. It, I think it was just like a, a auntie thing where she was like, oh, shit, uh, 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 hey, yeah, 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 yeah. hey, like, you know what I mean? Well, we ain't seen him in a long time. It's like he just catching yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought that it was beautiful, and I, I thought that um, you know I saw some hate online. Of course. You know, of course. Miserable uh, bitches. Miserable trolls. Old bitches. Old trolly ass bitches. Yes. Fox Soul. Let's talk about it. So Claudia Jordan, she is like the Lanethia Leaks of of Fox Soul. She's everywhere. Auntie got like five shows got, over there. I'm not gonna call her Auntie. She got three shows. She got that Cocktail woman. with Queens. Yes. GIF. And then the and then the Claudia Jordan experience or yeah. whatever that show's called. Oh, out loud with Claudia Jordan. Yeah. So, um, and this really, I don't even really have any fever fever for her or Lisa Ray, um, because I don't expect any better at this point. Not from Diamond. <laughs> I it's really sad to say, but I don't expect better from Black women at this point. I don't feel like I have solidarity with Black women anymore. Not cisgender. Not cisgender Black women. I, I hate saying that, but even when I moved back to Atlanta last year, there was um, someone that I was building a relationship with. My friends and I were creating this circle, uh, doing this thing we call called Tennis and Teens, where we would play tennis, go hiking, you know, just have fun. Mm-hmm. It was like our mission to be active one day a week. Mm-hmm. And we tried to include somebody into that. I told you about the story. And like she ended up being very trans and homophobic, just yeah. in a not... Because people think homophobia and transphobia is only real if it's violent. People don't realize it's that, most like, pervasive when it's not violent. Thank you. It's most pervasive when thank I deny you, you health care. Thank you. When I tell you that you can't come around because when of this. you don't acknowledge someone's yeah. presence like uh-huh. you normally would, like uh-huh. them and, and and my thing with the whole. So basically, during um, what's it called, the cocktail show? Uh yeah, uh, cocktails with queens. Cocktails with queens. Zaya Wade's interview with Michelle Obama came up, and of course. People, instead of just acknowledging the fact that Zia Wade did this interview, it went to this thing about tr- her trans experience. I, uh. And Claudia Jordan waged the question. Um, and here's, and here's, it could be a valid argument for some. Because they're like, she was essentially saying that she hopes that they don't regret, regret making Zaya the face of, of the black transgender community. She's not the face. Thank you. <laughs> One. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. She's not the face. She's not the right? face. And then... And that's such a vapid thing to say. Yeah. Just because someone does an interview. Yeah. And her thing was like, oh, what if in, 20, in, in 15 years she regrets it? She regrets being trans. She changes her mind. Said that Lisa Ray? No, no, Claudia Jordan. Claudia Jordan said that. Lisa Ray's ignorant ass brought up surgery, which can I please just publicly announce? You have to be 18 years old in order to get gender reassignment surgery. 
But y'all don't know that, right? You know what? Because I've y'all got, never bring trans people to oh, the floor. To the floor. To ever. Because y'all don't want dialogue. Y'all no. want to talk at people. You don't want to be responsible. No. You don't want to be accountable because no. you know if you, if I have dialogue with you, I'm going to take you to task. Thank you. I'm going to take you to task and you're going to have to cough up and pay up. Thank you. And oftentimes people don't want that responsibility. So people rather stay ignorant Thank than you. to be in the truth because when you're in the truth, you have to do something about it. Thank you. And I'm sick of it. And at this point, it's not like it's 2010 and you don't know where trans women exist. They're every they're fucking everywhere. Where. They've been everywhere. They've been everywhere. But now they're they're public figures. Yeah. So if y'all really wanted to have these conversations and you really wanted to know more and you were truly curious and you didn't have any malicious intent, you're, you would say, hmm, instead of four cisgender black women sitting up here and discussing Zaya and the trans experience, how about two of us bitches sit the fuck down because neither of us have any varying opinions. Y'all all have the same ignorant one. Mm-hmm. Two of y'all can easily step to the side and allow two black trans women, black trans women, up to the floor and have, let's have dialogue. Yeah. Let's really discuss it. Because you, since you're worried about her getting surgery, what surgery has Zia Wade done? They acknowledge her gender and allow her to, to, to present herself the way that she chooses. That's all. That is all. That is all. But because you niggas weren't allowed to do anything but exist in the identity your parents crafted for you until you wild the fuck out and created your own, mm-hmm. you don't know how to handle someone at that age yep. being who the fuck they want to be. And they are. And I often feel like that's the problem with cis black women and yes. their, their grip against black gay men. Is yeah. that this jealousy? It's rooted in... Not all of them, but I do think there is a little bit envious of of black men being able to freely navigate the binary. The girls are mad because you're not as sickening. That's it. Let's discuss it. The trans girls devour you hoes (laughs) on a consistent basis from fashion to face and you hoes can't take it. Yep. Let's discuss that. Bam. Have that conversation. The gay boys have more switch than you do. They're more done up than you are. Their brows are cleaner than yours. Makeup done. Beat. Dusted. Yep. Can you storm you in a pump. Take it. And you can't take it. And then it. the other ones you want to fuck, but you can't. Yep. That's your problem. Yep. You have the same ignorant dominion or want that same dominion over us, and you don't have it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Well, you guys, that was a, that's the end of this episode of Growing Up Gay. Period. We thank you guys for tuning in. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a motherfucking friend about the show. Um, rate us five stars. Mm-hmm. Follow us on all social platforms. You can email me at Malik at GrowingUpGay.com. You can email Vaughn at Vaughn at GrowingUpGay.com. Or you can email the show at GrowingUpGayPod. <laughs> it's just GrowingUpGay. Oh, okay. Uh, no, GrowingUpGay at gmail.com. Gr- yeah. All of this will be in the down It'll below. It'll be the down <laughs> in the description below. Um, we love you guys, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. <laughs>